Praise the Lord, everybody. Good to see everyone in the house of the Lord tonight. Are you glad to be here? Looking forward to hearing the word of the Lord. The pastor's continuing in his series, the parable of the, the, the parable of the soil. Talking about the soil of our heart. God's got something for us tonight. I believe that he's going to talk to us. We have a quick announcement. October 29th on Sunday is our annual trunk or treat from 3 to 5 p.m. And we would love for you to be involved with that. We'd love for you to come or invite your neighbors. But if you would like to decorate a trunk, uh, you can sign the, or scan the QR code, excuse me, scan that code and you can sign up on online for that and be a part of that. You can help maybe just man a bounce house or participate in some games. Uh, we just wanna be a blessing to our community. But uh, it does take a lot of work, takes a lot of help. So if you can be involved, we'd appreciate that. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time. If you have a special need, we'd ask you to just lift your hand. Uh, we want to pray for you. We pray that God would just take care of whatever it is in your life, whatever situation you're facing. We also have some names on our screen here. If you would call out some of these names. Sometimes we're not personally going through anything or dealing with anything, but others are. And we can stand in the gap for them. We can call out their names in prayer. So why don't we talk to the Lord and just ask him to help us. Lord, we love you tonight. Father, we thank you. 
We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the promises that are contained in your word, God. Lord, you said that you would heal. You said that you would provide. You said that you would never leave nor forsake, God. You said that you would make a way even when we don't see a way, God. We pray for every need in this house. Lord, we pray that you would see every hand that was lifted, God, and that you would intervene in every situation, Lord. Let your name be glorified in our lives, in our circumstances. Let the name of Jesus be lifted up, God. We give you praise and we give you glory, God. And for each and every name on our screen tonight, Lord, we pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for the conflict, God, that is going on. We pray for the lives that have been hurt, that have been shattered, Lord. We pray for those that are broken, those that are hurting right now, those that are going through grief and pain, God. We pray for all those that are without power, without water, without food, without shelter, Lord. We pray your hand upon this situation, Lord, and that you would resolve it, Lord, according to your perfect will and your plan, God. We pray for every need that is represented, every name on this screen, God. You know every situation. You know everyone that's struggling, everyone that's hurting, God. We give these over to you, Lord. Every need, every worry, every sickness, every fear, God. And we give you praise. Why don't we all just lift our hands and worship together? There's a place for 
that you're a child of God. Why don't you join me? Let's give him praise for just a moment. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you that you call us by name. You know who we are. We give you praise for that tonight, oh Lord. In Jesus' name, praise God. So good to see everyone here tonight. And uh, good, nice to be a little closer to you on this Wednesday night. Uh, glad to see everyone here. I'm going to invite our ushers to come very quickly. It's time for our midweek uh, tithe and offering. We do celebrate the opportunity to return back to the Lord a portion of what he has blessed us with. And so we are faithful in our giving because God has been faithful to us. The Bible says to you, much is given, much is required. And the Lord has been so good and so faithful to us. Hasn't he? Amen. God's been so good. He's been so faithful. So thank you for your faithfulness to him, your tithe, your offering, your greater than, your missions giving, whatever it may be. Uh, one of our young people, one of our young children uh, was showing me the uh, money that they had made just sell, selling some items uh, that they made at home and continue to contribute to the Greater Than campaign. It's exciting to see from the youngest to the oldest uh, excitement building about what God is doing here at the Sanctuary Quad Cities. Amen. God is so good. Would you join me in praying over this offering? Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to bless your kingdom and to further your cause. I pray that you would bless this offering so that it would do exactly that. God, here in the Quad Cities, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And God, from the Quad Cities, let us impact the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. You can step out, give your tithe and offering. As you do so, greet someone around you. And then at the conclusion of our offering, our young people will be dismissed into their class. Take just a moment, greet someone, shake someone's hand. Amen. All right. So good to see everyone here tonight and uh, glad that everyone is in midweek. We know midweek matters. I want to make one other quick announcement to you. Uh, We know our trunk or treat is coming up. We've been advertising that. It's not this Sunday, but next Sunday, the 29th uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. And our ushers are going to have these cards as you exit 
And we want you just to take those if you want, pass them out. As I explained last week, uh, we don't celebrate Halloween in the traditional sense. Uh, we don't celebrate devils and ghosts and blood and vampires and goblins. We don't uh, honor any of that around here. Uh, but we do give an option for our community as well as our church children to come out and celebrate together and just have fun in a family-friendly environment. And we don't need a special day on the calendar to do that because we do that throughout the year. Uh, but we do choose on this day to give them an alternative versus uh, some that may be going door to door. I know there's some that maybe have convictions against that. Others may not. But we want to give a, a family friendly alternative here. And so if you've not signed up for a trunk, I think you can decorate a trunk. And even those, we, they'll, they'll give you a packet that there's no, no blood, vampires, nothing uh, gothic like that. Uh, I think last year we had a Noah's Ark out here. And last year we had, uh, I don't know, we had, we had some fun ones. We had a dinosaur running around, I think last year or the year before. And uh, I know we had a Chick-fil-A for sure out here last year and uh, a few other things. So anyhow, so take these as you go and uh, give them to somebody, invite them to come on next Sunday, the 29th from 3 to 5 p.m. You can be seated in Jesus' name. You uh, should have received a handout as you came in the door. Uh, A handout should have been given to you to uh, follow along with our lesson. And I want to thank our our Spanish ministry, our Spanish-speaking ministry has uh, translated this handout and are going to begin translating this handout for our Spanish speakers and Spanish-only uh, members. And so we're thankful that they are doing the work of, of doing that and making that available uh, to everyone. We want everybody to be able to follow along with God's Word. If you need a handout, you didn't receive one, just lift your hand and someone will bring one to you. Ushers, if you can... Uh, Take note of the hands. If you need a handout, if you uh, did not get one, lift your hand and the ushers will run feverishly to get you one. I'm not sure what running feverishly looks like, but I think it's a little faster than that. Um, but I'm not picking on you, Doug. I'm not picking on <laughs> Amen. All right. We are in a series called Parables with Purpose. Jesus told parables or stories that had eternal purpose in them. A parable is a story that teaches an eternal truth, a story that teaches a powerful truth. And so Jesus told parables that were parables that contained purpose, and they were parables that gave purpose. He told them with a heavenly purpose that we could come into the kingdom of God and better understand the kingdom of God. So last week, as David Barajas mentioned in opening the service, last week we talked about the parable of the sower or the parable of the soil. And tonight we're going to be talking about the parable of the worker, the parable of the worker. Anybody ever felt like you were just worked hard one day, maybe two day, uh, If you don't know what hard work is, then this would especially be a parable that you want to listen to. Uh, But Jesus told a parable of the worker or the laborer. And we find this in Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to read just the first verse. But if you want to open up to Matthew chapter 20, you can follow along with us here as we walk through this parable. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers or 
workers for his vineyard. We learn in this parable that God is looking for workers, that God is looking for laborers. Look at your neighbor and say, he wants you. You remember in the world war of days gone by, there was the infamous poster of Uncle Sam with his finger pointed directly at the person looking at the picture. And the caption was, we want you. I want you. And the appeal was to be personal. It was to make everyone feel a sense of responsibility, that there was work to be done. And not everybody could go over and fight in the war, but everybody could do something. Not everybody could do everything, but everybody could do something. Not everyone could do anything, but everyone could do something. And whether it was a retired grandmother who could no longer even get out of her home writing letters of encouragement uh, and sending cookies to the troops, or it was the man on the battlefield, or it was uh, the, the woman in the factory that was helping uh, produce the ammunition. The message from Uncle Sam was simple. We want you. We need you. And I would tell you, that really would be a good summary of this parable. Jesus is teaching a, a lesson. He's teaching a message really about grace. And we'll get to that. This parable really ends up being about grace. But it's a larger parable about the kingdom. And God is saying, I want you and I've got a job for you in my kingdom. Everybody say, that means me. God is still looking for workers. So I want you to imagine with me in this parable that Jesus is telling. He's telling a story, parables are, are stories that would relate to common events and common activities and, and uh, common uh, practices in society. And so this particular parable was of a vineyard. So I want you to imagine this vineyard with me. This vineyard that Jesus would have been describing as he told this story. This vineyard would have been filled with plants that had been carefully tended to for a long time. The grapes are, are ripe and they're hanging heavy on the vine and it's the perfect time for harvesting the grapes. The owner of the vineyard, the owner of the land, he kind of steps out, Jesus describes in this parable, the picture of this owner stepping out on the veranda maybe to assess the situation, that it's harvest time, that it's time for the grapes to be plucked. And he realized that if he didn't get some workers there to help him, that he wasn't going to be able to do it all himself. He had to have some people there to help him pick the crop and get the crop to market. So the owner throws on his coat and he heads to the market of the, of the town of that day. Uh, markets were common in society. They were a, a common trading place, a common uh, communication hub. And so the owner heads to the market of the city. And, and usually there's plenty of people looking for work. And as this owner draws near to the marketplace, uh, he notices several able-bodied workers. He looks around, he views the landscape, and he says they look like they'd be a good grape picker and they'd be a good grape picker. And, and 
and these people are making themselves available for hire. And so here the owner, he, he selects good workers, strong workers that would be able to help him harvest these grapes. It was all done by hand. It was all hand. There were no machines. There were no grape combines. It was all done by hand, worker by worker, hunched over a plant and picking all of the grapes into a basket. Those workers had to inspect the plant. They had to make sure they weren't uh, putting rotten grapes in, in, in the bushel or the basket. They had to make sure there weren't bugs on the, they, they had a, a specific job to do and an important job to do. And as Jesus is telling this story, the automatic and easy parallel for us to draw from this parable is that the harvest is ready in God's kingdom. And God is looking for laborers to help bring souls into his kingdom. He's looking for laborers that will help do the work of adding souls to his kingdom. We know that we live in a world where people, just like in Jesus' day, and even more so today, where people need to hear the word of God. They need to hear and they need to heed to the word of God. And I can imagine walking around in a vineyard. I mean, I'm, maybe they looked for shorter people. I don't know. I'm six foot one. But I can't imagine bending over and picking grapes all day long. I mean, you'd be, you know a hunchback for sure by the time the day was over, right? I can't imagine, dude, that'd be hard back-breaking work. Brothers and sisters, Jesus called us to the kingdom to be a part of the work that's being done, and he never promised that it would be easy work. <laughs> he never promised, he never said, come do kingdom work, you'll never break a sweat, <laughs> If that was the promise, y'all, I've been doing it wrong for a long time. <laughs> he never said, come do kingdom work. It'll never be stressful. If that was the promise, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> he never said, come do kingdom work. Everybody will always appreciate what you do. And they will shower you with thank yous. And they will never criticize you or be contrary to the work you're trying to do. If that was the way it's supposed to be, we're doing it wrong, folks. <laughs> but just as picking those grapes off of those vines would have been difficult, backbreaking work, brothers and sisters, we got to know that just kingdom work, the work of souls, is not always going to be easy work. Sometimes it's going to be backbreaking. Paul even addressed uh, the need to go into God's field and, and harvest souls for the kingdom of God. They're harvesting grapes. We know the analogy is clear. Uh, at least I hope it is. We're harvesting souls. In the parable, grapes are the object of harvest. But in the kingdom, souls are the object of harvest. And Paul addresses this in Romans 10 when he says, How then shall they call on him who they in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In other words, Paul walks the church through this progression is if they got to call on the name to be saved, if they got to call on Jesus, how are they going to call on him if they don't know him? And how are they going to know him if somebody doesn't tell them about him? That's where we come in. That's where our job comes in. We're witnessing a, a great 
hunger in our day. In 2023, I, I believe I am not at all pessimistic about the revival that God is trying to give the church. There is a great hunger in our world right now. We're seeing the fruit of that hunger right here at the sanctuary. People are hungry for God. People are hungry for something that will change their life. People are sick of, not everybody, I know, but I would say for the most part, people are fed up with dry, dead, boring religion. People are tired of going to church and going home unchanged. They're looking for something that has life. They're looking for something that has power to change a life. Some people, they're seeking spirituality. I mean, just look at the explosion of, of spiritual things in our world in the last 10 to 20 years. People are seeking spirituality in every different form and fashion. They're turning to yoga and spiritualism and drugs and, and life coaches and self-help and, and even witchcraft to satisfy their craving. And I'm not saying every one of those things I listed is even a sin or a negative, but people are searching to satisfy a God-sized craving within them. As born-again believers, we know that we have what they need. We know that we have what they need because many of you here tonight were once just like them, seeking and searching. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians to the church at Corinth, he said, such were some of you. How many remember what it was like to need God at a time in your life? Even if you were raised religious or raised in the church, every one of us have had moments where we know we needed God. Let me see your hand. How many have had a time in your life where you know you needed God? That, I want you to, in your mind, go to that place of need and remember what that felt like. That's what our world is feeling right now. That's what people that God is sending to the sanctuary are feeling right now. So what is he looking for? He's looking for workers. God uses our current uh, knowledge of him, our past experiences, all of our, our journey of faith and our testimony. And for every one of us, it's, it's unique from the other. To reach those that are hurting, wounded, lost, broken, and far from God. But it's up to us to be willing to work in his harvest field. God will give us wisdom, God will give us help, God will give us a direction to take them by the hand and lead them into the kingdom. Just as that farm worker in the parable, the vineyard worker, would, would lead workers into the field to bring the grapes into harvest. So we understand that God is drawing, God does his part, he, he's drawing souls. The, the Bible says clearly in John 6 that God is drawing souls to him and then we have to do our part. If God is the master of the vineyard in the story, if he's the one who plants and, and, and creates the harvest, puts the harvest out there, puts hunger in the hearts of people, then it's up to us to come along and receive that harvest. We have a job to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a job. <laughs> There's a great hunger all around us, and God wants to use us to bring people into the kingdom. Just as landowners brought workers into the kingdom, or workers into the field, excuse me, we are to bring souls into 
the kingdom. So this owner, he goes into the marketplace. Jesus tells this parable. He goes into the marketplace and he sees those that are uh, available and, and willing to work. Can I tell you, God's still looking for people that are willing and available to work. Have you ever heard uh, the analogy that sometimes in church that 20% 20 of the people do 80% of the work? Or I've heard that 90% of the people, or 10% of the people do 90% of the work? We don't want that to be the case here at the sanctuary. I'm not even going to try to put a percentage to it here, and I didn't get any amens on that, but we don't want that to be the case here at the sanctuary where 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. These things ought not be. (laughs) And I don't care if it's souls or if it's vacuuming the floor or if it's working in the gym or whatever's going on. God's looking for laborers, not laziers. That's not it. I just made that word up tonight. Right here, fresh off the press. It'll be in Webster next year, maybe not. (laughs) God's looking for laborers. He's looking for workers in his kingdom. And he's looking for you and he's looking for me. Workers in the kingdom of God doing whatever needs to be done. And I'm just going to tell you, as as you work in the kingdom of God, as you add your labor to the kingdom of God, there is nothing more rewarding, nothing more joyful than the work that you will do in the kingdom of God. In fact, when it comes down to it, the work of souls, somebody being repentant of their sins, somebody being baptized in Jesus' name, the only saving name, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4, if they're baptized in Jesus' name, they're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, or you're teaching a Bible study across a table, and you see the light bulbs come on as they're receiving truth for the first time like that, and, and revelation is coming to them, there is nothing else as rewarding as kingdom work. There are incredible rewards of kingdom work. Now, in the parable, Jesus tells this story of the master of the vineyard going to get workers. And it's important to note, this was something that was the norm of the day. Day labor was both uh, normal and it was expected by everyone in Bible times. In Bible times, uh, people who were available to work, if you did not already have a job uh, for that day. In fact, very few people in Bible times had jobs like we have today. Society was not as developed. So a smaller percentage of society had jobs that were the same job every day, five, six, seven days a week. It was, it was typically you would do a job for a season or they were more seasonal jobs. So you would have a few people in society, in the community that had consistent jobs. But you would have a lot more people who they would finish this job and and then they would go uh, and they would go to the marketplace and they would be hired for another job and then they would go finish that job and maybe maybe the the landowner would keep them on or maybe uh, whoever had hired them for uh, service here or service there in the community would keep them on but maybe most likely they wouldn't and so then they would be back at the marketplace so uh, I guess I guess this this was uh, I don't know if you could call them getting laid off uh, or, or uh, say, we'll, we'll see you next time. But they, they would bring them back to the marketplace. They would, bring the, they would bring the workers back to the marketplace. And so when they did this, 
the workers were looking for jobs again. They would stand around every day. They would come and they would, anybody and everybody that was an able-bodied worker would come around, anybody who had talent and ability, and would be ready to be put to work. And they would come to an agreement. You read about this in in verse 2. When they had agreed with the laborers for how much they would pay them, the Bible says they agreed with the laborers for about a penny a day. Boy, it'd be nice to hire workers for a penny a day. Unless you're the worker. <laughs> they, they, they're hiring these workers, the Bible says in, in, in verse 2 of that same chapter. And, and the point of the story here is that laziness in any form was rejected, completely rejected. Let me say it again. Laziness was both shunned and rejected in daily life. Can I just pause there and just let that marinate for a minute? (laughs) Because in 2023, let me tell you, by your fruit, they're going to know you. Talked about that a little bit on Sunday, part two coming this Sunday. But brothers and sisters, the people of God should be hard workers. I'm not just talking about in the church. There's no room for laziness in a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, Thank you, 23 of you. There's no room for laziness. I'm all for everybody needs some day off. Everybody, I hope you take a vacation. I hope you get time off, even if it's a staycation. I hope you take some time to rest. Sabbath is a biblical principle, but the biblical principle of Sabbath is one day of rest for six days of work, not six days of rest and one day of work. Well, okay. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says in 1 Timothy that if any, any, not provide for his own and especially for the, those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You want to know how to be an infidel? By God's definition, not the definition of some crazy suicide bomber, okay? You know what a real infidel is biblically? It's somebody who's lazy, Somebody who doesn't work, or somebody who doesn't work hard. God expects all of us provide for our own and for the household of faith. The Bible talks about providing for the household of faith, not just for our house, but we have a duty to our house and the kingdom. Now it's getting quiet in here, but I'm in the Bible. Now, I know I've had you look at your neighbor, and I, I know some of you that are introverts and don't like to talk to people. That's your least favorite part of the entire service. And if I do that three or four more times, you might not even con- you might contemplate not even coming back next week because you don't want to talk to nobody, okay? So you don't have to, but just, just holler it out right now. You don't have to look at your neighbor, but just holler it out. Say, don't be an infidel. <laughs> now, say it again. Say, don't be lazy. God's not looking for lazy people. Hey, you you know one of the best testimonies you can be on your job? Be a hard worker. Be a diligent employee. Is that that like too prudish? Is that too, uh, sound too much like an old man? Well, so be it. Be a good worker. If nobody else will sweep the floor, don't have the attitude, well, I ain't, they ain't doing it, if they ain't picking it up, I ain't picking it up either. No, go pick it up. That's how you be a light and a witness. If nobody else answers the phone, 
Don't be like everybody else. Go answer the phone. Well, I know it's Wednesday night, but I'm preaching right now. <laughs> Don't be lazy. Because you'll be a light and a witness. Let me tell you, if you're a lazy bones worker, don't, don't give them a church card. Don't invite them to this church. That, we say, we want to invite people to church. If you're lazy, if you're an embarrassing employee, we don't want them to know where you go to church. Because <laughs> we don't want to think, we don't want them to think the rest of us are like that because we are not. <laughs> we okay, bro? <laughs> Something come on me. I came down on this floor. We came down on the floor tonight and something's crawled up on me. I don't know. Sorry. The Bible says in Proverbs 10, he who gathers in summer is a wise son. Woo. Say it out loud. Say, be a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Don't sleep in harvest. In other words, if there's work to be done, don't be sleeping. If there's work to be done... Be diligent. Be a worker. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all down on this generation that's coming up either. I thank God. I'm not going to name names because I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. Uh, but I, I thank God. There's, there's, some, uh, there's a few young men in our church that are uh, young and uh, between them being young and only having either a part-time job or young and, and maybe being laid off for a time. You know what some of our young men in our church have been doing? They've just been coming up around the church and just working a few days a week. Just showing up, just doing stuff. Yeah, I think that's worth a hankering. Just showing up, just showing up. And whether it's picking up trash out in the parking lot or it's doing a little bit of this or, or filling a pothole on the back 40 uh, with some gravel. So those of you that drive over there to drop off your picnic stuff, don't, don't lose a, a, a tire out there. Uh, they're just, just, just working, just working. And you know what else we celebrate? We celebrate those. There's Bible studies. I don't know how many Bible studies we got going on right now in the church, but there's Bible studies going on in the church. There's people who are taking time out of their busy schedules uh, to teach Bible studies. I'm, I, I've got Bible studies I'm teaching every week and, and just had one on, on Tuesday morning, regularly having one on, on Tuesday morning. And, and many of you are teaching Bible studies. Got busy schedules. You got busy families. But what are we doing? We're being a worker. God's looking for workers. We're we're working in the kingdom of God. We're doing our part. We're not just coming to church as lazy consumers, uh, but we are coming to church ready to work as producers uh, in the kingdom of God. I got to hurry. So as the day went on in the parable, uh, the more workers had to be hired in the middle of the day because the day began like any other and the workers started working. But as the day went on, somewhere in the process, the owner of the, the, the vineyard realized we're not going to get done in time. Have you ever been on a project and you got about two thirds of the way through and you realized, oh man, we're not going to get done like we thought we we're going to get done. Well, sometimes you're just, that's just the way it is. Sometimes the product doesn't come in like you think it's going to come in. Or sometimes the materials aren't there. Or sometimes there's things that are just out of your control, right? And by the way, just a little freebie, we act like a Christian when those things happen too. Well, <laughs> there's sometimes life just happens. It's out of our control, y'all. 
But you know when it comes to souls, what he's trying to teach us is he goes back to the heart. He goes back to the marketplace, rather, and he gets more workers in the middle of the day. So these guys have been working already half a day, and the, the landowner goes to the marketplace and hires more workers to come and join. He hires more workers to come. He compels more to get on board, showing us the urgency that he's trying to let us see when it comes to the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, there is urgency to kingdom work because souls are at stake. Sometimes a soul may give you a window of opportunity and if if you're not there and if you're not available and if you're not willing to be obedient to the voice of the Lord, you might miss the opportunity that Jesus is giving you with that soul in that moment. So as we draw closer to the coming of the Lord, we have to be aware of these windows of opportunity that he opens. We, we, we got to keep working. Sometimes the work seems like too much. They got halfway through the day and they weren't going to get done. But you know what they did? They didn't throw, throw in the towel, just lay down their bushels and baskets and say, well, it's not going to be done anyway. And we shouldn't do that either. We can't look at the 7 billion souls in the world and say, there's no way I could ever make a difference. And neither can we look at the approximately 381,000 souls in the greater Quad City region and say, there's no way I could make a difference. We just keep working. We keep working. And we let the Lord keep adding more workers. And I'll add this, we have a job to be mentoring the next generation too. Well... I thank God for the countless, probably hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of Bible studies that Brother David Adkins has taught in this church uh, in his history of being a member of this church. But you know what? Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to go with David Adkins and stay with him alone. There's another generation that can rise up and be mentored and trained and say, now it's my turn. It's our turn. It's our turn. So we got to make up our mind that we're going to work Whenever and wherever God places us, whether, wherever you're at, maybe you're here and this applies, maybe this story applies to your job that you're working, your secular job. Maybe you're in your dream career or maybe you feel like you're in a dead end job and you're just working because you have to work as unto the Lord. Maybe you're in your most fulfilling ministry. Maybe in the church right now, you can't imagine doing anything even slightly different. You're being so fulfilled in everything you're doing. Or maybe you're just doing the work that you're doing because the work needs to be done. In either case, just keep working. Why? Because when you work for him, we leave the outcomes up to God. Here's the law of the kingdom. When you leave the outcome up to God, you may never know the far-reaching impact that your work is going to have. It's not just a kid's ministry lesson. It's not just some meaningless job in the church. You may never know where that conversation or that juncture that God placed you at at your job to have that God conversation with someone, you may never know where that is going to lead. I was just having a conversation uh, yesterday with a man in this church about 
Pentecostal history uh, in the 21st century. And the revival that God sent uh, again at the turn of the century to our world, a revival of, of the power and the spirit of God, a revival that many uh, know of as Azusa Street, the Azusa Street revival, right? And this video I'm gonna show you, it goes right along with our lesson. And it goes right along with this idea, this concept that you never know how what you're doing for God might matter in the kingdom in years to come. Watch this. We know the significant stories of Pentecostal history. Anybody who's interested in the subject has heard of Charles Parham. They probably know William Seymour as the person most responsible for the Azusa Street Revival. There are people like any movement that were not in the limelight that society overlooked and perhaps even historians overlooked. One of those people was a young African-American woman named Lucy Farrow. We're not quite sure how Lucy Farrow met Charles Parham, but we do know that they were in Houston just as the Houston Revival broke. And, and perhaps they were out walking uh, at that particular time in the history of our country, in the history of uh, the way the Western civilization was evolving. Uh, people were moving from riding horses to driving automobiles. Houston was a oil-rich town, and uh, some people had purchased automobiles. But the problem with driving automobiles in Houston at that time is that most people travel by horse, and horses leave uh, spent fuel behind. And so, usually early in the evening, uh, street cleaners would come out and clean the streets, and then the people who owned automobiles would take a little time to drive around the city. Some have speculated that perhaps in one of those evenings when the streets have been clean and people are out walking, that Charles Parham ran across Lucy Farrell. She, at that time, was a pastor of a small holiness mission in Houston. And somehow they connected. One of Parham's students, William Seymour, went to Los Angeles to spread the apostolic faith message. Parham was initially reluctant to let Seymour go because Seymour hadn't received the baptism of the Spirit. When he got to Los Angeles, he ran into some opposition. People who invited him rejected the message, and he ended up meeting with a few people in their homes for home prayer meetings, but no one had received the baptism of the Spirit. Seymour sent word back to Parham, is there any way possible that Lucy Farrow can come to Los Angeles? And when she did arrive, the first people began to receive the baptism of the Spirit, and increasingly, the revival broke out to become the famous Azusa Street Revival. And later during that revival, Pharaoh lived in the building on Azusa Street in uh, the upper room and she prayed people through the Holy Ghost. She even uh, prayed with Howard Goss and he, he had already received the Holy Ghost. He spoke on him one time in tongues on a train, but he never was able to speak in tongues again until Pharaoh prayed for him. And then it kind of broke a dam in his life and he began to be able to speak freely in tongues. So uh, this African-American woman who some people would suggest was the niece of Frederick Douglass, but an insignificant person was uh, buried in an unmarked grave in Houston. 
just recently, we found the graveyard and erected a stone in her honor as the mother of Pentecost. Isn't that amazing? Lucy Pharaoh, this small, statured, little African-American woman in Houston, Texas, a street cleaner, picking up spent fuel from the horses, as he said in the video, happened to come across Charles Ford. And the chain of events would be set in motion that now not only has her name gone down in Pentecostal history, but as you heard, the largest apostolic Jesus name oneness organization in the world in over 200 countries recently spent significant resources and people and man hours to track down her grave that was unmarked and give her the proper honor that was due her life as the mother of Pentecost. Isn't that amazing? All she was doing was scooping manure. But you're never just doing anything when you're a child of God. You're never just whatever, fill in the blank, if you are a child of God. When we're working for God, we have to understand God is an intentional God. And so we have to be intentional people. We have to let him work through us. The Bible lets us know that the night is coming when no man can work. In fact, in the story, the, 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 as the story plays out, as Jesus' parable plays out, the day was coming to an end. They had to hurry and gather all the grapes that they could before the sun would set, before the harvest would end. John 9 says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day, for the night is coming when no man can work. Now, here's the interesting plot twist in this story. Anytime Jesus tells a longer parable or story like this, there's typically a plot twist. How many like a story with a good plot twist? There's this plot twist in the story as Jesus is telling the parable and, and all the grapes are getting brought in and then as the sun begins to set to the surprise of all the workers, uh, God is about to teach us about his extravagant grace through this parable. Because remember there were workers that were hired early in the morning, the ones that came first in the day? And then there were ones that he went out and got later? Uh, you're about to see that God views saved as saved. Salvation as salvation. Made righteous, sanctified as made righteous or sanctified. That's what he's really teaching us here at this point in the parable because when the owner began to pay the workers, when the landowner, he didn't own the people, he owned the land, he was hiring the people. And when he began to pay the workers, he started giving out the same amount of money to the people who showed up at 3 o'clock and worked the rest of the day as he gave to the people who showed up at 7 o'clock. Now, if you're the 3 o'clock dude, that's a good deal. <laughs> if you're the 7 o'clock dude, how do you feel? <laughs> Not too good, right? And neither did they. And they start fussing with the landowner. But what God's teaching us here is it, it doesn't matter if you've been in this thing for 40 or 50 years or if you've just come in the last 
few weeks, his grace reaches the same for all of us. His grace reaches the same. It doesn't matter if you've come with more questions and you've got answers and you're not even 100% sure that there is a God. The same grace that reached and kept the man or the woman that has served God faithfully for 80 years is the same grace that is going to reach for that brand new person that comes to find Jesus Christ. God is no respecter of persons. He is no respecter of any rank. He is no respecter of any social status. He is no respective of any culture or color or language barrier. God is no respecter of persons, but God is a respecter of hunger and God is a respecter of principles. And the principle is if you come to him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him. It doesn't matter who you are. You can find his grace if you simply seek him. These workers, they, they start complaining about the unfair treatment. They start complaining about the... Y'all know we live in a complaining society. Man, we live in a, we, we live in a complaining society. Anybody ever heard the phrase first world problems? <laughs> Man, we, claim, we complain about some silly stuff. We really do. And I, I, I do too. I, I've traveled to... A few dozen countries, and I'm telling you, that'll change your perspective on some things. Some of the stuff that we fuss and fight about in the grand scope of time and humanity really doesn't matter much. <laughs> really doesn't matter. These early workers, these 7 a.m., these 8 a.m. workers, they complained that they were being treated unfairly. Now, think about this for a minute. He promised he would pay them whatever, a penny. 100 pennies, whatever. He paid them as promised, right? But they claimed unfair treatment, not because of how he treated them, but because of how good he treated someone else. Oh, you better watch out. Don't get let jealousy get up on you in the kingdom of God. Uh, don't let jealousy creep up on you in the kingdom of God because jealousy will sour and spoil your harvest. Jealousy will spoil you from seeing the harvest that God has given. We got to be careful that we don't judge how God works with others. Every one of us has a unique story, a unique need. Salvation is available to all of us, to whosoever will. And, and it may be that, that one uh, wife is praying for her husband for 40 plus years and he finally comes and gets it together and starts serving God. And then there may be another man who gets prayed for one time and comes and starts serving God. We don't judge the harvest. Uh, we just let God save to the uttermost. We don't get mad that this one took that. No. And, and let me tell you, if you've been praying for somebody for 40 years, I've seen this happen, y'all. I know you probably can't imagine this, but I've seen this happen. Where uh, somebody, especially if it's a spouse situation, where somebody will be praying for a spouse for so long, and then they finally come to God, and they finally start getting on fire for God, and that praying spouse starts getting jealous. That God's moving on them. I mean, some of the silliest stuff. That's what you've been praying for. That's what you've been wanting. Don't get jealous. When God starts blessing them, when God starts talking to them, when God starts using them, 
We can't judge with how God draws and deals somebody else, but we just got to keep meeting people at the point of their need. We got to just keep being faithful that he called us to work at all in his field. We, he called, hey, it's a privilege to work in the kingdom of God. It's a privilege to be called to work in his vineyard, to work in his field. Everything we do, every single thing we do for him comes with way more benefits than anything we could ever bring to him. That's why when you understand the work of Calvary and when you understand the cross, it's it's no big thing. It's no big thing to, to, to give of your time or your talent or your treasure. It's no big thing to return a portion of what he's blessed you with. That's no big thing at all because everything that comes from him is so much greater than anything we've ever given to him. And when we work in God's field, we have the opportunity to see his goodness in action. The benefits of working in God's field are absolutely endless. Absolutely endless. I've said it before. But whatever you're doing in the kingdom of God, whether you're witnessing to somebody at work, whether you're teaching a Bible study, whether you're vacuuming the floor, whether you're helping paint the gym, whether you're uh, what, helping straighten up the chairs, whatever you're doing, teaching, uh, teaching uh, in sanctuary kids at ministry, singing on the platform, whatever you're doing, understand, last Sunday when five people or four people, I can't remember, were baptized in Jesus' name and one person received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. If you're doing anything, you have a part in everything. God let us get that in our spirit, that if you're doing anything, you have a hand in and you can celebrate everything. You were a part of that. You were a part of this. You were a part of them receiving the spirit. You were a part of what God's doing. That's how the kingdom of God works. So we got to keep working in the harvest field and think Jesus prayed his prayer in Matthew chapter 9 pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field the owner responds and gives them a powerful reminder that hey this field belongs to me and I paid you what I agreed to pay you to pay you the vineyard belongs to him the crops belong to him. It's all simply because of his goodness that he hired them to begin with. Brothers and sisters, the field belongs to God. The harvest belongs to God. Every soul belongs to God. Don't get jealous. Don't get your nose sideways with somebody or something. Just let God keep reaching. Just let God keep working. He's given us a job to reach for souls. We can't save the souls, but we have a part of the process to play. We have a part to do. We just got to keep reaching. That's why 1 Corinthians, Paul said, so then neither he who plants is, is he anything or he who waters, but God gives the increase. In other words, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. I'm not the one who gives the increase. I'm not the one who can save a soul. You couldn't save a soul on your best day. I couldn't heal a headache on a dead fly on my best day. But it's by the mercy and the grace of God that anything good comes out of our ministry. That anything good comes out of our life. 
And so to God be the glory. So I'm not going to fuss when he blesses this one or that one or this one or that one. I'm just going to keep working. I'm just going to keep my nose down and I'm going to keep working. (laughs) I'm going to keep working. The fruit that comes from the field. Can I tell you, it contains more provision and production the more we keep reaping it. There's seeds in the fruit. There's produce in the fruit. You know what I believe the principle of the kingdom is? Is the coin is in the fish's mouth. And if we'll just keep fat catching fish, God's going to keep supplying the need. If we'll just keep reaching for souls, you know what? The, I've been saying, I've been dropping it here and there lately. You know the vision God's put in, in our heart here for the Quad Cities is from the Quad Cities that we would impact the world. That in the Quad Cities, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth in the Quad Cities as it is in heaven. And then from the Quad Cities, we would impact the world. So we're just going to keep our nose down and keep working and keep plugging and there may be a rotten grape here or a grape that that gets lost there but we're just going to keep working and keep working and keep working and let God give the increase amen we're all here by God's grace We're all here by God's grace. We're all only here by the grace of God because one day God reached down to us. One day God from heaven reached his hand down to you and to me. It's by the grace of God. Who am I to fuss when he does this with that one or that with the other? You know, if we could just keep our nose down and just keep working, we wouldn't get distracted by somebody else's flaws nor would we get distracted by somebody else's blessing. These people were distracted by somebody else's blessing. They were looking at somebody who got paid the same amount as them for working half the time. Well, if we're honest, that would aggravate all of our flesh. That would aggravate my flesh too, okay? Maybe you're holier than thou and it wouldn't bother you. Well, I think you're a liar, but (laughs) it would bother all of us. It would bother all of us. But you know what? He's God. He's God. He can bless who he wants. He can choose who he wants. This parable is the perfect object lesson on grace. Because he says, I'm going to give the same grace to this one who just showed up as I'm going to give to the one who's been here all day. In this church, what God is doing right now at the sanctuary, God's doing something special. And there's some people that have just showed up. And there's some people that have been working all day. And you know what? God's given the same blessing to everybody. And I like it. (laughs) And it's all right. It's good. It's okay. Because it's for whosoever will. It's for anybody who wants it. I pray God keeps sending them our way. I pray it, mm. <laughs> I pray I don't pray. I prayed before God empty out every die, dry dead church in the Quad Cities. Empty every dry dead church out. And then I started changing my prayer. No God, don't just empty them all out. I mean I know some folks got to leave when they get a little fire in their belly. You can't stay in something that's dead. You can't stay in something that's lifeless. 
But you know when I started praying? God, no. Don't empty them out. Turn them into satellite campuses. <laughs> Don't empty them out. Baptize them all with the Holy Ghost and fire. Baptize them all with the revelation of the oneness of God. Baptize them all with the same outpouring of the Spirit. We couldn't build fast. Even if money wasn't an object, we couldn't build fast enough to house the revival that God could bring to 381,000 people. So we need God to start changing some entire congregations. We need God to start getting in some entire neighborhoods uh, and we need to accept that when he does uh, accept that work when he does uh, be ready to receive uh, be ready to serve alongside of him uh, be ready to labor right alongside of him and let God's name be glorified that his kingdom would come that his will would be done in the quad cities as in heaven in the quad cities as in heaven in the quad cities as in heaven and from the quad cities uh, let us impact the world. Oh, if that's what you want to be a part of, uh, would you just stand to your feet? Would you lift up your voice uh, and begin to give Jesus praise right now? Oh, God, we want to be laborers in your kingdom. God, we want to work in your kingdom. We want to work in your harvest field. God, we want to do whatever you've called us to do. God, we want to be whatever you've called us to be. God, we don't want to be lazy, God. We don't want to, we don't want to be sitting around and be consumers, God, but we want to be producers. We want to be producers in the kingdom of God. We want to be producers in the kingdom of God. Oh, come on, somebody just talk to him right now. Somebody just talk to Jesus for a minute. Lord, I pray right now. God, baptize us with a hunger to be used of you. Baptize us with a hunger to be used of you. Baptize us with the hunger to be used of you, God, for your namesake. God, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. God, in the Quad Cities, God, in the QC as in heaven. God, let it be, oh God, let it be. Let it be, let it be, let it be. Use us in the process. God, let us not be weary in well-doing. God, let us keep our focus. God, let us keep our focus. Let us keep our mission at the forefront. God, we're gonna do everything we can. God, we're working as hard as we can. We're doing what we know to do. But God, I pray that you would bless us with fresh vision and strength and energy to work in your kingdom. God, those that are working hard, I pray that you would keep them healthy and energized and with fresh vision. God, keep them on fire. Don't let them be weary and well-doing. God, those that aren't working, God, I pray that you would light a fire in them, light a fire under them. Let them get to work. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would let everybody realize we have a responsibility, God, to the harvest that you put before us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, would you just lift up your voice one more time and give him thanks right now? Come on, right from where you're at. If you're here tonight, you've never repented of your sins, you can repent tonight. If you're here tonight, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. You can be baptized. We got water. We can baptize you tonight. You've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. God, we just want to be a worker in your field. God, we want to be a laborer in your field. Hallelujah, God. God, I want to just keep working. Help me keep my head down. Help me not get jealous of this one or that one. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. My wife has said it many times. I don't know if she came up with it or read it somewhere, but I've heard her say it many times. Powerful statement. 
that, that comparison is a joy thief. And if you're comparing what God's doing in your life to somebody else, it's going to rob you of your joy. How they're getting blessed or what God's doing for them. Or, and that, that, that works for natural things. Comparing cars, houses, whatever. Like, that's, that's silly. That's for the birds. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. They got different this or better this. Don't do that. Don't do that. All that does is drive a wedge between you and a brother and a sister that you're supposed to be working alongside with. And if I'm supposed to be working alongside them, and I got this little jealousy because they got this and I don't, how's that going to work? We don't want that in our spirit. Let that not be named in the kingdom of God. And, 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 if, and if, there's, if there's jealousy or envy spiritually of what God's doing in their life or their family, that's a, that's a joy thief too, spiritually. It's going to steal your joy because you're going to be seeing them get blessed. You're going to be seeing them get used. Why'd they get picked and not me? Don't, don't get an attitude about that. Just, just keep working. Just find something to do. Just keep laboring in the harvest field. And as we do, God will give the increase. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. To all of our guests, again, we welcome you. If this is your first time here, I welcome you in Jesus' name. So glad that you're here. Thank you for taking time. We believe midweek matters. It's where we slow down and get it in the Word of God. Come back Sunday. Come back Sunday. We're going to talk about the merchandise of the wolf part two, the spirit of the wolf versus the spirit of the shepherd, and, and it's going to be a great day. Be here at 9. 45 for pre-service prayer on Sunday. And please don't hesitate to grab some of these uh, little cards, these little invitation cards as you go out the door. The ushers have them. Ushers, raise them up. You got them back there? Sean's got them. And, and uh, yeah, we got them at, it looks like the two center doors. So go ahead to the center doors and they've got them. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.